And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. So have you ever been in a really like dry, hot climate ever? But I know we live in Florida, but I'm saying like desert-like conditions. Yeah, desert-like conditions. I know I have. I, uh, you know, in 2006, I got a scholarship to go play uh, uh, college football at Southwestern University, one of our Assembly of God uh, colleges. It's in Waxahachie, Texas. Now, I'm from Weewahichka, Florida. That's where I grew up. So moving to Waxahachie, was, that wasn't a big thing. I could pronounce it and could spell it. So, uh, um, But 18 hours away uh, from my mom and dad, and I live 20 miles south of Dallas and right close to the Metroplex, which was, man, that was intimidating. From Little Weewall to the Metroplex of Dallas-Fort Worth, that was big. But uh, So I remember going, and we're playing a game in, in September of 2006, and it is hot. Like, I'm used to heat because I've played football here all my life growing up. I'm used to the Florida heat. But we get to, we get to West Texas, and there's nothing out there. Like, I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's nothing out here. And we get off the bus, and we step on the ground, and the ground is, like, cracking from the heat. And I looked out to, I looked at one of the guys who was from Texas. I said, we can't play football on this. This is bad. This, these are horrible conditions. He's like, just be quiet. We're going to play. And we lost really bad that day. I remember that very much. And I thought, man, I'm not in Florida anymore. I'm a long way away from home. And I thought about the dry places and the, and the dry seasons. And that was a long season in my life. That was a very long football season too. So, uh, um, you know, things didn't go the way I wanted to. Things didn't go the, th- the way the team wanted them to go. And, um, and as I was praying over these last couple of weeks when Pastor had asked me to share, he knew he'd be out of town, I got to thinking about my journey, and the title of, the, of my message today is, is Your Journey. I got to thinking about the journey that I've made to get me to this point in my life where I am right now. I want you to think about your journey, where you are right now in your life, all the twists and the turns and some of the things that may have went your way, some of the things that may not have went your way, but they, you're the sum of all the choices that you've made thus far in your life sitting in, the, in, the, in these seats looking at me. Good or bad, those choices have shaped us, have defined us, and, ha- and, and that's what we have. That's the collective total of what we have today. I was uh, reading in Psalm 84, part, uh, and I was actually listening to a podcast from Dr. George Wood, who is the general superintendent for the Assemblies of God, um, and he was sharing, because May is Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, he was actually sharing, he's very transparent in this, in this podcast about a season in his life when he was in Costa Mesa, California, pastoring, uh, and he was about to transition out of the church. Uh, he was talking about sometimes that he was going through some anxiety and some depression, and he was just being really honest and open. And he said, I come, I come across Psalm 84. Now, I've read Psalm 84 plenty of times, but I've never, ever picked this out. And I didn't even know really what it meant because it was so obscure. But I want to share with you, and this will kind of frame our discussion for this morning. Psalm 84, verse 5. If you're, with you, if you're reading your Bible, I'll give you a few seconds to get there, but it'll also be on the screen. But Psalm 84, verse 5 through 7, the sons of Korah have written this, uh, this, uh, um, this psalm. Some people attribute it to David, some to the sons of Korah, whatever you want to study and say. But, but what the, it's a praise song. It's a, it's, a, it's a song of worship. It's a call to worship is what it is, the whole psalm. There's only 12 verses. But this is what the psalmist pins, and he pins this beautiful imagery that the Jews at that time would have understood and I'm going to explain it a little bit here in this message. But this is what it says. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Or literally, whose hearts are set on the highway. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. They make it a, 
The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So I got to think, what is the Valley of Baca? It's actually a valley that many Jews, Israelites, would have taken up to the city of Jerusalem or Zion. They would have traveled there for their annual feast, for their, for their times of worship, to come up to the house of the Lord to praise. But the Valley of Baca was one of a dry desert place. It was a hard route to take. But some would take it because it would, it would be a faster route for them. And he's saying, what, the imagery that I see and that he, he's building in the minds of the people is nothing, because he, he starts out, nothing will separate me from the presence of the Lord. I'd rather dwell in the courts of the Lord than anywhere else. This is the whole, this is the whole language that he's using in Psalm 84. But he's saying, even if I have to walk through the desert place, even if I have to walk through those dry places, that I am going to choose to make them a place where the autumn rains will cover with pools. And, and as you study that a little bit more, what we found out, what I found out in my study, is that the men and women who would journey on this valley would literally, along the roadway, they would make artesian wells. They would drill down or they would, they would create trenches where when the autumn rains did fall, they would create pools of fresh and refreshing water for the people that were coming behind them. The people that were coming behind them that would make the same journey. And the Lord spoke to my spirit saying, you know, Maybe you today, maybe someone in here, you find yourself walking through your valley of Baca. You're walking through a desert, a dry place in your life. You've tried everything. Maybe the last year or the last few years have just been extremely tough. Maybe in business, maybe in life, maybe in your family. They've just been dry. It's been hard. You've tried in your own strength, but you're failing in your own strength. You're weak in your spirit. You're tired in your body. My hope for you and what I was praying is that God wants someone in here to know and maybe it's more than just someone that he is for you that he sees you this morning exactly where you are and that he wants you to know you don't have to walk this thing by yourself and even if you're walking through this dry season he's going to create a place where you can dig your own well where you can dig dig your own trench where you can where the where the rains of the holy spirit when they fill up those trenches because someone is going to walk right behind you in those same trails and they need the hope of Jesus that's inside of you to make it through their own valley. As, I, um, as you read and as you look at all 12 verses, I've already said it's a song of praise. It talks about being in the presence of the Lord. That's the whole passage, the whole point of Psalm 84. Now, in his presence, there's fullness of joy, there's life, there's purpose, there's meaning, and there is fulfillment in the presence of the Lord. And what's really incredible is why the, why the Israelites would travel to be in the presence of the Lord a few times out of the year. Not all would have that same access. Only one, the high priest, would. But aren't you glad because of the person of Jesus and because of his sacrifice on the cross, because of his death and his resurrection and his ascension, we have direct and immediate access to God the Father. Amen? We do. So what happens, though, a lot of times, and, I, and I'm guilty of this, when we're walking through suffering... Because no one really wants to, I mean, how many, uh, with a raise of hands, have we said, man, I love suffering. I love trials. I love temptation. I love the pain. Thank you, Jesus. Give me more of it. I've never prayed that. I'll be honest with you. I've never prayed that prayer. You know, a lot of times when we're walking through suffering or when we're walking through pain or loneliness or despair or, or anxious thoughts, we sometimes have a tendency to dwell on the pain instead of dwelling on the presence. And we're all guilty of that. I'll, be, I'll raise both hands, but I'll drop the mic if I do. But I, we, we dwell on the pain and not on the presence. And that's what God today wants us to do. He wants us to shift our thinking. He wants to transform. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Transform our thinking. So 
in the Bible, there's a man named Paul, and he would know suffering better than any of us in here, wouldn't you agree? Uh, he would, uh, the guy had was shipwrecked a couple times, bitten by a snake. I hate snakes. It was like my worst fear of, like, I hate snakes. Anyway, I'll, I'll just, I won't digress on that. But, but he, uh, he was beaten. He was in prison. He was wrongfully accused. He was, had good friends who betrayed him, backstabbed him. He knows exactly the hurt and pain that many of us in your life, in our life, we've experienced on some level, some degree. And in Romans chapter 5, he gives us the four stages of suffering. And I want to walk through that as a congregation today. How we can, he says we can boast or we can glory or we can rejoice in our suffering. And when I first read that, I think, how? How, how can we do that? How is that even possible? But here's a man who would know suffering better than any of us here. And he says, this is how you do it. And I want to walk through that. And let's discuss that just briefly. Verse chapter five, verse two, Paul says this, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in the hope. So his first reaction is to dwell not on the negative, not on the the bad, because sometimes we have a tendency that we have this victim mentality. But God says, I don't want you to be the victim. I want you to be the victor because through the blood of Jesus, you're already victorious. You've already overcome. You're not a loser. You're not, you know, pastor. I love the way pastor says it. You are not the tail. You're the head. You're not beneath, but you're above. Those are the things which are in Christ. You and me. He's the hope of glory that lives inside of us. He says, my boast is not in my own ability. My boast is not in my own intellect. My boast isn't in my accomplishments. My boast is in the hope of the Lord. We glory in him. We rejoice in him. We rejoice in him because this is the next step in verse 3. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. And then he, he kind of gives us an outline here that we're going to work with today. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Another translation, I like the word endurance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the first part, the first stage in suffering is, well, is suffering. We've all walked through it. We all walk through it um, in different. And the word suffering there can mean, like I said, loneliness, despair, angst, anxiousness. It is a wide gamut of a definition of that word. But that's what Paul's talking about. We all walk through it because of the, the sinful nature, because of the fall of humanity. I think about, I know Paul suffered, but then the image of Jesus comes to mind as I was praying and preparing this. I think about him in that night, right before his crucifixion, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. You guys go with me in your mind there just for a second. The book of Luke requires that he, it's so intense, the pressure is so intense that he, he was sweating drops of blood because of the stress that he was, that he was under. I think about the weight of, the, of, of, of humanity's sin that Jesus was about to, to you know, just take upon himself for you and me. And then as you study and you look at the landscape of Israel, you have... Uh, the Garden of Gethsemane is outside the city. It's a bunch of olives. It's an olive grove. And there, uh, to the north of that, is a wilderness, is a forest. And Jesus could have simply, you know, he prayed, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then what does he say? Not, not my will, but your will be done. He could, have said, he could have easily slipped off into the forest. He could have easily he, and disappeared. No one would have known where he would have went. He could have ran from his suffering. He could have ran from his pain. He could have ran from it. 
But aren't you glad that he didn't? Aren't you glad that he didn't do it? Listen, can I say this? That when we try to run from or we try to avoid or we try to suppress the pain of suffering, in the, in the end, it does not help. It causes more problems. It causes more issues in life. It causes more destructive behavior to take place. Things like anger, things like bitterness, things like unforgiveness swell up in your life and they eat at you and they eat at you and then it manifests in so many other ways. We can't run from. I think a lot of times we think, well, you know, if we just change jobs, um, and maybe if we get a new marriage, or maybe if we if we start dating someone else, or if we um, if we just move to a new town or a new city, then it's going to get better. But what we end up what end up ends up happening is the pain and the suffering and the things of our past. If they're not dealt with, they just follow us right along the way. There's no healing and there's no freedom. We, I would love to avoid suffering in my life, but the, Paul says that suffering produces in me endurance, and then endurance proven character, and then character hope. The, the, the whole passage, if you read Romans 3, 4, and 5, Paul's trying to tell them, guys, you're justified. Your salvation is sealed and justified in your faith in Jesus, and it is his grace that will sustain you. It is his grace that will lead you. It is his grace that will pull you through. It's your, and, and you have to understand, we're just not going to camp out here in the valley of Baca. We're going to keep walking. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep moving forward. I, uh, you know, people either run from or they suppress their feelings. They don't, they're, they're not honest with them. And that leads sadly to some people taking their own life. I was, uh, I came across a stat from the Centers of Disease Control and it blew my mind, and, I, and I, uh, it says, Centers of Disease Control, it says that the, the second leading cause of death in America for people 15 to 34 years old is suicide. And I thought, wow, that, that's the age group that is underneath, is my responsibility. It's the age group I'm praying for here. It's the age group that I'm trying to lead here. It's, it, and I'm praying, I'm interceding, and I'm thinking, how would someone at that age get to such a place of hopelessness and despair where they, they, they just don't feel like moving on? Don't feel like, they don't feel like they can move on. Don't feel like they can live anymore, but that it would just be better to end it than to, than to seek help. And in no way am I trying to marginalize or, 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 or make small the issue of mental health or any of those things. I just want you to know that Jesus already died for that pain. He already provided healing at the cross. And it's by the blood of Jesus that you are set free from those very things. At 12 years old, I can remember thinking to myself, because I was at such a, a point in my life, my mom and dad had divorced many years, in, many years before that, and then I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to find myself at 12 years old. You know, most, you know, most young men, my mom was in a, in a relationship with a guy who would later become my stepfather, and I, I, just, I, I was so confused and didn't really have a lot of direction, and I can remember having some of those depressed thoughts as young as 12. And I remember this goofy-looking youth pastor. Um, his name was Michael. He invited me out to come hang out with some guys, and I noticed that there was something different inside those group of guys that I wanted. I wanted what they had. And I couldn't figure out what they had until someone, one of those goofy guys said, listen, have you, ever, have you ever heard that you can have a relationship with Jesus? That you can have a personal relationship with him? I said, no, no one's ever told me that. They said, yeah, it's simple. It's really simple. You just, just, pray, just pray this with me. And I remember praying this prayer, and I thought, well, I didn't feel anything. Nothing happened. Two weeks later, I'm in, I'm in my bedroom, and I'm mad at my mom because she didn't get something for me. Teenagers, I hear this all the time. And, and we, uh, I, I didn't, I, she didn't get what I wanted. 
And I just remember, I never heard it before. I didn't hear some audible voice. The clouds didn't open. Jesus didn't descend and sit on my bed with me. He didn't do that. But I just, I I simply heard just a whisper in my spirit. I love you. I love you. My prayer of salvation was this. Jesus, I've heard about you before. That guy told me about it was so easy to follow you. So if you're real, I'll give you a shot. That was 18 years ago, and I'm still following Jesus. So, uh, and, and, uh, so it doesn't have to be hard. Yeah, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be difficult. But it's necessary to follow him. You can't overcome this pain. You can't overcome this suffering. You can't overcome the heartache that you're walking through on your own. You can try. You can try in your own strength. But why? Because the promise is what Paul says, the Holy Spirit will be poured into you where you're not walking it by yourself. His presence will dwell with you on a daily basis. It's a presence that you can tap into all the time. Which leads us to our second point, is perseverance or endurance. This is the staying power of the Holy Spirit. This is him who re, re, um, energizes, gives purpose, and gives life. It's whom I, it, it, you know, when Jesus said, I am going to go, but I'm going to send one after me, and he will be the spirit of truth. He will reveal all things to you. He will not only live, in, he will only live through you, but he'll live in you as well, and he'll give you the words to speak. I think sometimes we make it out to be some like freaky-deaky thing, and it's not. It's, it's the staying power. It's the ability to be who he's called us to be. And you know what? When you're walking through suffering, the next thing you need is that endurance to go through and to make it to the other end. And he's not saying, I, I don't believe this is what Paul's saying. He's not just saying, you know, suck it up, buttercup. You, you'll make it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He's not saying that. He's saying that you're not going to have to do this by yourself. You're not going to have to walk this thing alone. And I think a lot of us, when we're walking through suffering and pain, that's what we feel. We feel alone. We feel like there's no one for us. We feel like everyone's against us. And then the enemy attaches to that. Oh, yeah, no one cares about you. You don't need to go to that church anymore. That small group doesn't care about you anymore. And woe is me and woe is me. And then angerness and bitterness and hatred and all these things fester up. And it just divides you from the body of Christ. And, and then the enemy's won. The enemy's, the enemy's won. He succeeded in what he's doing. I'm here to tell you today, that there is a man named Jesus who died the death that you and I should have died, but he did not stay dead. Three days later, he rose again. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He rose again, and the Bible clearly says this, that he's at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding or he's praying for each and every single one of us every day. You got an intercessor every day, and his name is Jesus. His name's Jesus. So you're not you're not the victim. You're not the victim at all, but you're the victor. So you gotta believe that. You gotta hold on to that. That's the hope that we're holding on to. We press through. We press through, not on our own ability, but because he's with us. The old adage, this too shall pass, is is um is meaning not we we don't we don't make the pain small, but we just say our God's bigger than the pain. The pain's not small. The pain's not small at all. Number three is when we walk through perseverance, it produces a character in you. It's very possible that the suffering that you're going through right now, the things you're experiencing right now are producing a character in you that will later, that will, you'll later need in the next stage in life. A couple weeks ago, I shared a story about, I remember that, that December 1999 when I gave my life to the Lord. I was so excited, so pumped up. I was going to go to school because it was Christmas break. I went back in January and I was going to tell people, hey, I made a decision in my youth group. I gave my life to Jesus and I did. I went back home and I, I went back to school in January and I was telling people about it. And you know, to my disappointment, people did not share my same excitement. 
My friends that I, would, that were, that I used to hang out with and, and we were doing things as young as 12 and 13 that we really should not have been doing. They're like, man, I remember my best friend, Brandon, said, and I shared this with the guys, he's, he looked at me in the gym. I, I still remember because I can see his face right now even though I'm talking about it. He said, when you get done with your Jesus stuff, then you can come hang out with us again. And my best friend since third grade told me that. Here's a guy that I thought was my best friend because when he would shoplift, I would help him out. And I thought, that's the stuff we were doing. God, God redeem me. God, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. I just was real transparent with you all right now. Don't judge me. But uh, um, I, uh, I, remember, I remember what happened. I thought I, I got saved. I gave my life to the Lord. My youth pastor issued a challenge later that week. He said, I want, for 30 days, I want you to take your Bible wherever you go. Wherever you go, I want you to take your Bible. And I was like, I don't have a Bible. So I remember my mom bought me a blue Thompson chain reference NIV study Bible. And I, and I took that thing wherever I went. I took it wherever I went. Uh, I remember reading it in between classes at the lunch table. I remember doing all those things. I still have that Bible. It's in my office right now, and it is worn out. It's, it's barely hanging in there. Um, but I remember just, just falling in love with reading and reading God's Word. And I remember for two years, from seventh grade to eighth grade and into my ninth grade year, I sat alone at a lunch table. I didn't, I didn't get invited to the parties anymore. I didn't, I didn't do any of that anymore. I, 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 was, I was completely alone for those two years. And I thought, what in the world is this? I gave my life to Jesus. I thought life was supposed to be abundant. I thought I was supposed to have everyone love me, all these friends. And, and you know, as I look back on it, God was preparing something to me where he's like, you gotta be, you got to be able to define yourself not by what others say about you, but what I say about you. It is in, the, it is in the, those times alone with the Lord, not that you're lonely, but it's in those secret times with the Lord that he's producing what he wants in you. It's kind of like as I was sharing this morning in group with our students, if you, the impurities of gold, the dross, he's pulling out those impurities, pulling out those imperfections, and he's putting his character and his ways and his truths inside of you and me. There's things still in me that God's working on and still things that God's producing in me that I need to become the man that he wants me to be. I need to become the husband that he wants me to be. I need to become the father that he wants me to be. So it's a daily walk with him. And I still don't have it figured out. If you do, I need to interview after this. I would love to talk to you. But no, I don't think any of us have it figured out. But that's the endurance. That's the, that's the character that he wants to produce inside of each and every one of us. What happened, though, after those two years of just being alone, I remember Brandon came to me and he said, I guess you're really not giving up on the Jesus stuff. I was like, no, I'm not, man. I said, how about you come to youth group with me? He's like, nah. I mean, I had invited him many times. But that night he came. That night he came, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And then, then another friend started coming. And then this girl that I really, really liked, she started coming, and she got saved. And I thought, oh, there she is. That's my, you know, Lacey's like, shut <laughs> But what we saw from ninth grade all the way through, we saw, I saw those same people that had shunned me and turned me around, that uh, had forsaken me, had, were the ones that just they needed the hope of the Lord and they needed someone to be consistent. So can I say this to you today? Who are the people in your life that need you to be consistent in your walk with the Lord? Because I've made my mind up and I'm convinced that I believe the whole Bible. I believe the whole thing from all the way from the index all the way to the maps. It's all true. 
There's nothing, and it's God's word. It's not any, it's not, it's not some fable. It's not some book full of good stories, but it's the authoritative word of God that transforms lives and sets people free. And it's a word that in our culture today, it's a truth that needs to be preached. So God wants to produce his character. And I, and pastor shared this last week and I'll share it with you really quick. First Corinthians 10, 13 says no temptation has overtaken you except that is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. It doesn't say God won't give you more than you can handle. I've heard that paraphrase though. That's not what it says. It says temptation is going to come. And God's got, and it's not going to be more than it said. What does it say? It says it has not overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. Jesus says, "I've walked through the suffering. I've walked through the pain. It's not going to defeat you. You're not going to lose. You're not going to be overtaken. But I will make a way out, so you will be able to endure it, not run away from it. I will make you a way where you can endure it, and you can become the man or woman that God wants you to be." I wish I could snap my fingers and all suffering would be gone in the world, but that's not how it happens. But what we do need is faithful men and women who say, you know what, I'm a believer in Jesus. I love him with all my heart. I believe his word is true, and then I'm going to share that with other people. I'm going to do so in love, not in hate. I don't want people to become like me. I want people to belong to Jesus. I want people to belong to Jesus. And the last thing, church, that we hold on to is hope. That's the last point. It's not wishful thinking that things will get better. That's the world. That's worldly hope. And some people put their hope in the world and in, in their abilities and their own, um, their own talents and, skill, and skills and abilities. But G, that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's like, it's a knowing. It's a, it's a sensing of the Holy Spirit that it's a hope that will not disappoint. That's what he says because it's a hope from heaven. It's a hope that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to earth, that he died and that he rose again. It's the hope that it's at the cross that all the sin, all the shame, all of those things were paid for. It is that, that's the hope that we're holding on to here. And that even in the midst of what you're going through, even in the circumstances of life that you're, that you're faced with, God is for you, and he's going to work it out. He's going to work it out. And you're going to come through victorious and not the victim. So just like those who were on the journey to the Valley of Baca, they were going up to the house of the Lord to pray. They were going up to the house of the Lord to be in his presence. You and I don't have that long of a journey anymore because the veil was torn. Access to the throne room of heaven is immediate is that access for any single one of us who have who say you know what jesus you're my lord jesus you're my savior jesus i give you my whole heart i surrender immediate access when you walked in this place today i I believe the presence of the lord walked in the house with you that you are the temple of the living god that you carry with you the, the hope of glory the spirit of the lord lives and resides inside of you and me who believe that jesus is our lord and savior the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you and I. That's some real, that's some power. And we've got to stop walking in defeat and stop walking and say, well, woe is me. We can say, no, not woe is me, but he's for me and not against me. I'm an overcomer. I'm a super conqueror in Jesus Christ. And listen, the presence of the Lord is here today for each and every single one of us. It's our source of strength. It's our source of life. It's our source of purpose. So as we get ready, as the altar team, I, I like the altar team to come down forward because I believe if you guys will come forward and move forward really quick, this is a quiet church. 
I think you guys are listening, so that's good. As the altar team's moving, I, I want you to keep in mind about the valley that you may be walking through. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself in the middle of pain, the middle of suffering, or maybe you're walking through a difficulty. Maybe it's been a setback at home or, or at your work. And listen, you're trying, or you have tried in all your strength to work it out. You tried in all your ways to figure it out on your own. And you're a smart person. God's gifted you with great abilities. But the more you try, it seems like quicksand. You just seem like you just keep sinking and sinking and sinking. In God's grace, he wants to throw you the hope, his hope, his life. And he wants to pull you from the pit of despair. And he wants to help you walk through the valley because you're not camping out here. You're moving forward. And he wants you to know that he's for you and not against you. He wants you to know that you're not walking this thing by yourself. He wants you to know that he's made a way where there seems to be no way. Hear the voice of the Lord simply say, come to me just as you are. Find your strength in me as well as your rest. Come to me and give me your life. Give me your life. You want freedom today from that which you're walking through? It just, freedom comes with surrender. It comes with surrender. You say, Zach, I've, I've done this before. I've surrendered my life before. Can I ask you this? Have you surrendered every area of your life? Are there, some, are there some places in your heart where you just still haven't given God access, complete and total access to yet? Because I like to hold on to that. I think I can figure it out. Now, God, you can have everything else but this one side of me. I, can I say today, hear the voice of the Lord. He says, I want all of you. I want every part of you. I want to transform you and make you into the man or woman that, God, that I want you to be. And it only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you'll stand with me across the house. In no way do we mean to embarrass or, or ostracize anyone. But I'm fully convinced that in a, in a group this size that there's somebody that's walking through some difficulty and you need someone just to agree with you. You need someone to pray with you. You need someone to intercede with you. Maybe you just need freedom from that which you're walking through. So here it is. As they start to play, I'm going to invite you to find one of these men or women down here and I'll be down there and we're just going to agree and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And we're going to spend some time in his presence and let him do the healing. But if you want a breakthrough, if you want complete freedom, I ask you to stay in the house and you need to move forward. And if you're not moving forward, I ask you to just reach your hands this way as people make their way down and just agree. And can we just break things off of people today in the name of Jesus? Can we walk out of this place changed, transformed by his love and by his grace? So, Father, we love you and we thank you this morning, Lord. I thank you, God, that as people that need freedom, need deliverance, God, need healing, God, as they start to move from their seats, Lord, that they would find a friendly face down here. They would find someone that's not here to judge, but here just to agree with them. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to move upon hearts and minds and souls. God, you set people free today. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your joy and for your peace that surpasses all understanding. And I thank you, God, that you're moving 
right now in the hearts and minds of those that are in this house. Come now, in Jesus' name, amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.